Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree, and today's special guest is a true sex work superhero. She has this unique knack for acing a comedic spin on the daily challenges and triumphs of sex workers around the world, all stemming from her own unique insight, her own legacy in the business. Today, I'm chatting with the incredible Jacqueline Francis, AKA Jack the Stripper. It's so wonderful to see you. I hate that it's virtual because this is all we can do these days. Yeah. This is yeah, it. We're, what, we're what, what are you being advertised the most right now online? Today, I actually was just advertised an electric toothbrush and that's not the most, that's a new thing because I was just talking to my friends about whether or not I should pursue an electric toothbrush. So that, <laughs> a lot of bedding, gym, oh, yeah. comfortable things. That's all good stuff. I'm being advertised this weird pimple popper toy and it just keeps popping up on my like social media and stuff and it's haunting me and it's, it's, it's like a, a personal torture. I can't look at it anymore. What does it do? Uh, it's a game. I don't know. You like oh, fill it with goo, actually, but it's an actual, it's a physical toy that you play with and you pop things out, but it's like this, the advertisement just keeps following me and I don't know where it came from, but I need it to stop. It's like, Regardless. I'm so sorry. That's, um, that's grotesque. Yeah, it really is. This is, you know, I'm trying to avoid it and not be on it so much, but we got to be these days. Mm -hmm. So uh, if I have my facts correct, one year ago, November 2019, you declared retirement from stripping. Oh my God, was it a year ago? Yeah. One year ago. So in this one year, which has been one fuck of a weird one and a heavy one, what comes to mind about the things you miss the most about that time in your life? About stripping or about like announcing retire about stripping? Stripping. Uh, so much. I miss um, sitting on strangers' laps, getting them to give me money. I miss cash. Yeah. I miss being on stage. Um, I miss playing dress up. Yeah. Yeah, and I still get to play dress up. That's not really like, I just get super stoned and do weird makeup all the time. I'm loving that. But I miss so much of stripping, but a lot of us have had to move on from it reluctantly. Not just me when I retired. A lot of people have had to. So I think the best thing that I can do for myself, honestly, is really just keep, keep going with everything else that I'm doing because there's so much you can do with the skills that we have mm. and nobody's really reassured us that, that was possible or that we could do other that we could take our skills from stripping and, and they're transferable elsewhere so i'm kind of jazzed about how covid has really just thrust me to move on yeah i mean the, the physical world is so impossible to interact with right now yeah. you know being in crowded spaces public settings i i long for it deeply mm -hmm. one of my favorite uh I guess I want to call it a, a comic, a little, one of your art pieces, one of your drawings, let's say, yeah, is um, you sitting on the couch or a stripper sitting on the couch, smoking a bong saying, where will I channel all of my slut energy now? And where are you channeling it now? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where am I channeling all of my slut energy? Like I'm masturbating profusely, personally. <laughs> totally. I, I actually have had an interesting, complete pullback from wanting to be a slut, which has never happened before in my life. Like even before I came as became a stripper, I was definitely pretty slutty. But lately, I'm actually just really enjoying not being looked at and not feeling like I have to be slutty. Uh, I think a huge part of my sexuality is like my environment and interacting with new people. So I'm not even inspired to be a slut right now. I think my slut dumb is dormant and it needed to rest because I was milking it so hard for mm. a decade. So I'm actually just not even channeling my slut energy right now. I'm wearing a lot of cozy pants. I'm just kind of indulging in self-care and just trying to my best to take care of myself because when the time comes for me to be a slut again and there's a vaccine and it's safe, like watch out. Right. I don't so know what's going to happen. I'm going to be out there. Reservoir. Yeah. You're keeping it locked and loaded, ready to rock when that time comes. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm going to be ready. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be ready, but I'm really enjoying the break from like not having to wear heels or a G string. Cause like, you know, apparently like my back's all fucked up. I'm old now. And well, certain things have a time to heal now, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So my slut energy, she's just, she's napping. My favorite drawing of yours is the waiting for the fart to dissipate. <sighs> so real. It's so real. I'm a very gaseous person. So Me too. <laughs> like, oh, it's the worst. I've like, I've, I've kind of reconciled it, but like, not really. Like I'm, I always try to figure out what it is and it's just everything. But I don't hate it. Oh, I don't, if I'm I alone, if I'm alone, it's great. I don't mind it, you know? I don't alone, but I'm not, like, confident to be like, oh, look at this one. Look at this one coming. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I was that bitch. Like, I really wish that I was that. Like, I do have limits to how brave and confident I can be. Like, I wish I was so proud of my farts, but, like, I'm not there yet. But you know what? I have room to grow. Maybe in the next decade of my life, I'm going to be really embracing that. I'll be charging for it. I don't know. But exactly. Exactly. I just get a little bit rosy when it happens and act surprised every time it comes out, even though I'm not surprised. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much I love them. And it's a delight to chat about them in this setting right now. So let's go into um, your experience in, in your legacy in stripping. What was your reputation in the dressing room? What would other dancers Great question. Have? You'd have yeah. to ask them. I wasn't Jack the stripper at the strip club. I tried my hardest to not be that person at the club. And if anything, it got really hard to be that, to not be her because um, Jack the Stripper is a, is a character outside of the strip club. Jack the Stripper inside a strip club wouldn't survive. In terms of like, for me, like I very much played a totally different character in the strip club. I think in the dressing room, I kind of just kept myself and was pretty quiet at the start of the night. And yeah. then when I got drunk, I was just in there running my mouth to anybody who would listen were you organized were you messy were you i've never been organized um i'm like macro organized i think in the dressing room no i would just sort of show up with my jansport backpack i would put on pretty much what i'm wearing now which is like i didn't even put a base on i put on tinted moisturizer blush mascara and lipstick and that's it because if i put too much on i just it just ages my face i couldn't do it so i'd get ready really quickly and then just bounce, but inevitably just get trashed and come back in and like, you know, start telling everyone their outfits are great. 
<laughs> the loving drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I was pretty, I definitely, I'm not an angry drunk. I was, but I tried, I think the more, the more I became well known, the more I kind of retreated, to be honest. I think my first year of stripping before I knew what I was doing, I think I was probably way more gregarious and outspoken and everything. But when I started to have a career and a life outside of the club, I felt like I had more to conceal and more to protect. Yeah. So I probably retreated a little bit. And on the patron side of things, so patrons, what would they say your reputation would be, whether it is in an intimate lap dance setting or whether it is just you in a stage performance? They would all say, she's quite chatty. Okay. <laughs> I talk a lot. My whole, my whole game was talking or getting them to talk. Um, telling stories, being sweet and drunk and ridiculous. I don't know. I oh, what would my clients say? That I'm ridiculous. Probably. But I imagine that's where so much of this social commentary comes from. Yeah, yeah. One of my clients called me, and because again, I never told them anything about this career that I now have. I just was like, "Hi, I'm just a dumb stripper here to have a good time and make some money. What did you do today?" Like, I very much just kept it light and tight. Like I was not interested in telling them my life story because it's not about me. It's about them and right. whatever they need. And the second somebody asks me about Instagram, I shut down completely. I'm like, I really don't want to talk about this. So my whole goal is to talk about them and to be as breezy and bubbly and ridiculous and cheerleadery as possible. Right. So I, one of them called me a comedian one time. He's like, where's that comedian girl? And really? I, I felt like I was caught out. Yeah. But yeah. Cause I just, I just talk, I just talk the whole time. And if they start laughing and they, and if they start giving me money, you stay. Now, are you jotting these observations as you go? Yeah. Is this how the art was then born and then ultimately, you know, shared with the world? Yeah. I had, I always have a notebook. Wow. Or my phone. My notes in my phone are just a mess, but I try yeah. to write everything down like analog. Yeah. Um, and if there's anything, I'd always get a, a receipt from the bartender. Like, hey, give me, give me a piece of paper. But the problem with the receipts is that they rub off and they disappear yeah. completely. And I have so many little notes of weird things people have said to me. Yes. I'm so always going back to the dressing room and writing things down. Because immediately you want to get it out of the head onto something, save it, document it so that you can, oh, you know. I'll forget. Oh, absolutely. A great thing you should have, you know, missing pieces of. Yeah. And I, and I like drinking was part of my job, which is why I don't really drink anymore. I'm drinking wine now, but drinking was definitely part of my yeah. hustle. So, so as you're starting to share these pieces and the art is now, you know, being viewed by the public, what were some of the first reactions you had to these pieces? You must've had people going, holy shit, I've lived this exact moment. Yeah, what? It's funny because the illustrations really put me on the map. Yeah. It, I, I was talking about what I was doing, writing about it, um, but it wasn't until I started making them into what we now call memes until that people started like commenting on it and sharing it. I didn't really know what to expect. I just started doing comics every day because I saw this, this hashtag trend, 100 Days of Pleasantries. And I was like, I guess I can just like write one thing for 100 days. I was trying to like unlock Instagram. Like how can I be successful on Instagram? And like, you have to have like a cool square that people want to talk about and share. So I don't know, what was the reaction? I think it was a pretty slow roll. And then some of them, especially the ones that are particularly grotesque or absolutely ridiculous or somebody saying something 
that sounds so outlandish, but the simplicity of the drawing and the mundanity of the way I deliver it had people just in stitches. Like, are you serious? Does somebody really just tell you that they want to smell your asshole? I'm like, yes, every other Tuesday. they want to they want to sell my asshole but what like when they but you when you put it on a little drawing that looks like something you'd see in like the newspaper as like a really generic comic people are kind of thrown off so it was really exciting to have people respond to that no kidding no kidding because you know it's just it's little little moments you just happen to jot down but there's a reaction to it yes people have either been there or they're in complete disbelief and they also just never really understood what what a strip club was a lot of people who went in they just had all their preconceived notions right just humanizing the actual person doing the job to entertain you like they also have scrutinizing opinions about you that maybe they'll turn into a comic later you don't know you've just you've built so much of a an invitation to understanding the culture more you know like there's just there's less of that mystery which brews a lot of you know the fears around anyone who is involved with or or has visited a strip club it's ridiculous that we still live with that today i I do find that ridiculous with just you know free porn whatnot like it's crazy that this one little element of society this one facet is still one that has a very complicated relationship that to me is boggling yeah and to me when i first started stripping i was my immediate reaction after my first day of work was like this is not a big deal. Cause I, I really had the same notions you would think somebody who has never been to a strip club had. I was like, it's going to be scary and predatory. Everybody's going to be high, uh, thieving. I don't know. All of the bad tropes of sex workers and of clients was what I was anticipating. I was I don't even know. I didn't even know really what to think beyond that. But then when I went in, I just thought oh, this is like, ridiculous this is just a job like anything else and I think that immediate reaction that I had and then also relating to all the girls in the dressing room immediately too because when I first walked into the strip club I thought I was going to be different special Mm -hmm. not like other girls all those bullshit ideas that we have about ourselves and then when I walked into the club I was like literally all of you are just like me so I just felt kind of unspecial yeah and I think that that's such a great place to start from. Of like, how do we all relate to this situation? Really? Like, I hate to my asshole all the time. I'm always like, you know, afraid I'm going to slice my pussy off with my razor. But this is part of the hazards of the workplace. And we need to talk <laughs> about it. Because we need to trade secrets. I recently, like, I did, I do a stand-up bit about how I shave my asshole. Because I've always struggled with it. And now that I've mastered the craft, I feel like I should share that. And recently, my friend Rachel told me that my yogi squat suggestion of how to like efficiently and safely shave your asshole was very successful for her. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to really help destigmatize sex work to onlookers who are curious, who don't really feel like reading a book. They just want to look at a bunch of pictures. I can help you. I understand that people are lazy and don't want to read. So that's why I make pictures. Yeah, it's a picture book. It's a picture book. <laughs> it's a picture book. We love those. Yeah, 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 exactly. We love it. So right now with clubs, let's be honest. I mean, everything's shut down, whether yeah. it's in a state of level two, code orange, whatever it is, clubs are pretty much shut down right now for the time being pandemic. What are some areas that 
clubs themselves and club culture should be improving upon during this time when we get to the other side of this and everything reopens and we go back to the world and accessible as it was? Um, what should clubs be doing? God, it's such a good opportunity to start over. It really is. And I, I want to have, like, I really think that, like, the phoenix that rises from the ashes of this is going to be women-run strip clubs. Or not women, but sex worker-run strip clubs. I think that that's the dream. It's my dream, but it's not my dream for, like, next year. I don't want to run a club yet. I need some, I need at least five years away from the industry before I jump back into it, because it kind of burnt me out. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's a great time to actually dialogue between management and entertainer and, and see what strippers want because what strippers want in different cities and states is so different and trying to unify on a national or international level I don't think is I think that's a really beautiful dream but I don't think that's how it works I think that like based on your city and what are the trends of how strip clubs are run because like people all the people who run the clubs in each city they all talk and they all kind of run a similar ship yeah like talk to your dancers what do they want like can you absolutely, can you consider like abolishing house fees? Can you, can, yeah. like, can you run, can you run a successful business without relying on the systemic exploitation of your entertainers yeah. that is so illegal and criminal? Like, I think it is possible. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what you're saying about having sex workers run these places. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what changes we would see and how the experience itself of being in these clubs as a patron, how that might differ? Well, I, I mean, when I was dancing, like some, t somebody telling me how to do a lap dance when they've never given a lap dance, like, I'm sorry, but like, go fuck yourself. Do not tell me what to do. If you've never understood the work, I just, I have a problem with authority surprise, but if these people who are, you know, overseeing the business who have never actually done the work. Like, so when I used to work in restaurants, the, set, the first day that you work in a restaurant, in most restaurants, you work the dish pit. You wash dishes for two yeah. shifts or whatever. And then you do a bus person shift. I was a bus person for two years in Brampton, Ontario. <laughs> okay, two years. And then I got, and then I graduated to hosting, which I was so excited for because I got to wear a mini skirt. And then I realized it sucked because all I could do was stand the whole time and yeah. I couldn't leave my station. So I worked in restaurants, but you had to do all these shifts before you graduated to manager server or whatever. And like, you know, I don't know a single manager who's had to give a lap dance and I'm sure that they're out there, they exist, but I haven't met any yet. Yeah. So yeah, just like more compassion for the way it actually runs. And look, nobody knows how to turn a dollar faster than a sex worker. So we're going to figure out how to run a club efficiently with profits without exploiting people. It's not that hard, but all of these lazy motherfuckers who are sitting in management in their cheap suits, like telling everyone to like pay up on their house fee and give 50% of their VIP rooms to the house yeah. when you still have to like when you when you've done nothing to improve the labor conditions of your your workers in 30 years i just i have i have a problem with that it has to change these exactly. guys are old and they they think that the clients are just like them i think that heterosexuality is a plague and it it is not a sweeping generalization of people who want to throw money at sexy people it's not i think i everybody wants to like be able to throw money at somebody who's hot so why don't we encourage them? Why don't we welcome them? Why don't, and also why don't we have more diverse representation on the stages? Why is it just women, cis women, 
skinny white women. Like it is, that is what it's like in New York. It's like very racist and hetero and fat phobic. And it's so boring. Honestly, whenever people ask me like, Oh, what club should I go to in New York city when I'm visiting? I'm like, none of them. I should know. I say pumps because pumps is in Brooklyn. I love pumps. It's cool. And and there's the girls are just seem like they are having a better time being themselves and not trying to look like they're in a Victoria's Secret catalog from 2007. Right. You know, like it's just a completely dated concept of what is desirable. Yeah. And it's embarrassing that it hasn't adapted. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're catering to and perpetuating this restriction on what is deemed sexy and desirable and drool worthy by only presenting that. I mean, I, I hope we see a change in that once everything gets a chance to reopen and revamp and rethink a lot of the ways that they've just been existing for so long. And look, all of those VIP clients you're catering to, they're dying. Okay. Yeah. Whether it's from COVID or like cardiac arrest or whatever, they're all fucking dying. So like, what is the next generation of rich people? I don't know. And like, why is it just rich people that we're catering to? Like, yeah. can we have more of a sliding scale of what is affordable. I do think sex work should be expensive. It is a luxury. Yeah. Women, people getting naked for you is a luxury, but trying to keep it just to the Wall Street guys in New York is, oh, it's so done. It's, it's so done. done. It's so it's done. done. So played out. We're over it. We're over it. Uh, I have a lot of friends right now. Uh, aside from this podcast, I host Naked News. I'm also a uh, very naked shock content live performer when I'm able to. I, I love bringing that to the stage. It's obviously not easy to do right now. But yeah. um, aside from that, I get a lot of friends in my social circle right now saying, uh, Laura, I want to try out uh, this whole OnlyFans racket. I want to try and get on this online content creation world. It's not a world I'm in right now. So I'm worried about it stamping me with this inability to ever access the vanilla mainstream again. Will I lose my potential and my validity in the real professional world? And I don't really know how to advise them on it because first of all, there's such a spectrum of the kind of content you're able to put out there. It's not necessarily, you know, the stuff you would see in porn, but I'm hearing this wavering hesitation of people saying, I don't want to be putting content out there like that, even though I need to, I need to do that right now. I need to make money. I know that it's a good game to get into, but I don't want to lose my chances in the real world. Like, what would you say to that? I would just ask one question, which is what is the real world? Right. And what... And what, and actually, and it's different for absolutely everybody. Is the real world teaching kindergarten? Yeah. Yeah, you have to reevaluate your your identity and like how you would conceal that on OnlyFans. Like, do you wear a mask? Do you not show your face? Do you cover all your tattoos? Do you, if you, if you, if your job is absolutely at stake and also kindergarten teachers are the weirdest <laughs> people ever, they would be incredible. Oh, yeah. And I also think that sex work and kindergarten teaching are probably not that different because you're just dealing with toddlers all day who are like trying to grab your tits, but you're trying to keep them described from something else. Well, so well put. I think just really figuring out your motives. Like if you want to, like, why do you want to make art that's sexy on the internet? And like, does that feed into your end goal? And also it is not easy money. It's exhausting. Mm -hmm. You have to work so much harder on the internet for so much less money compared to in-person sex work. So 
it's not just like you just turn on OnlyFans and suddenly you have $2 million. That's yeah. Bella Thorne and that's like a totally different situation. So I, I, I would just ask more questions. Yeah. What do you actually want? And talk to enough people who are on OnlyFans who are just getting started and who have been at it for a year. I'm not on OnlyFans, I'm on Patreon because um, my stuff is more art focused and my audience is predominantly female. So I just didn't choose OnlyFans, but part of me, I consider it every day, but it's so many, there's so many web browsers to log into and try to make money off if I just, I don't know, but. The whole hustle is the thing is like, it's not a drop-in center where you come in and you spend a couple weeks, you know, maybe taking a photo of your foot. And like, that's what I'm trying to get across to them as well when I'm, you know, doing my best to advise is that it's a nonstop hustle. It's not something that's, you know, a little side gig when you feel like doing yeah. it, especially if you want to be successful. Well, I heard that one of my friends, she says she has to post every day to keep yeah. her fans engaged. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. Right. And if you think that your $6 or $15, you deserve a photo every day of someone, you suck. I think mm -hmm. that like the content generation is on steroids right now. And I don't know, I'm trying to do less. So, but I also, I'm on Patreon and I'm working hard for those dollars and I haven't found the sweet spot yet. I'm not like at my target yet, but I do appreciate people being there paying me for my art. You have great tiers on that Patreon, by the way, and we'll make sure by the end of this chat, you drop all that info. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's not like, I'm, I don't know. It's not easy. Like it, it's also, you have to know that how many people lurk on the internet versus how many people follow you versus how many people will pay you for your content is it's not an impressive number, but you also don't need that many people. Mm -mm. Like I have 190,000 followers on Instagram right now. And I have 200 Patreon subscribers. So what yeah. is that? Like less than 1%? Yeah. Less than 1% of my audience supports me financially. If you want, if you like, and I'm grateful to them. That's a thing. Of course. It doesn't actually have to be that much more. It can actually be less than 1%. And even of the people who have supported me uh, on my store, it's probably, I don't know. It's probably the same 500 to 1,000 people shopping. It's like not that many compared to how many people. So again, 1%. Like it's like, it's like 1% of people. Or two, I don't know. I'm not, I'm drinking. I don't know math. I'm just like, wow, yeah. I'm because not that many people are going to give you money, but you actually don't need that many people to give you money. Because the strip club, what we say is it only takes one. Mm -hmm. And then Jerry Saltz wrote this great article for New York Magazine that he turned into a book called How to Be an Artist. And he said that you need 12, an artist and sex worker to me are the same fucking thing. Because okay? mm -hmm. you need clients, you need word of mouth advertising, you need a couple people supporting you, you need a couple people who know people, who know rich people, and yeah. like, that's all you need. And he was like, you need 12 people to make a living as an artist, and you only need three or four collectors. So instead of trying to think of how many people you want to appeal to like you'll get lost in yourself if you do i've kind of learned to just keep doing what i'm doing and eventually somebody will pay you for it and, th and then when you meet that person who wants to pay you what you're worth it's so exciting because they probably want to pay you again yeah it's so true you really you can have a smaller intimate collective and really you know make it beneficial yeah and that's like that's a lesson for anything in life if you're if you're a self-starter 
Uh, yeah, even my friend group, okay? It's tough. Yeah. I have a lot of acquaintances, but I've got a very small core and they feed my soul. Yes. You know? Yeah, you. you deserve that. That's it. That's it. <laughs> this is a weird one. And I was like trying to find ways to word it nicely or like package it beautifully. But you've done this thing where you, you've made this, you've made a crossover in a way. I mean, mm -hmm. you're, you're, involvement in a project like Hustlers, that's huge. That yeah. is huge. And it makes for mainstream appeal, mainstream uh, reception. And what was that journey of, I guess, I, I want to put it nicer, but being taken seriously. Sex workers are constantly faced with just not being taken seriously. So what was that journey for you? Oh, that was cool. Okay. I, so, I mean, a lot of stuff happened with Hustlers because like, so being taken seriously on set. So I was a consultant and I was an actress in that movie. Um, being a consultant was really cool because the director, the assistant director, the entire team, a very wonderful team of talented, incredible people cared about what I thought. And if anything, I definitely like had too many opinions. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was like, I really took the consulting role seriously. And I look back and I was like, oh man, I should have shut my fucking mouth there. No like, way. Never. That's not relevant. But I was new and they never bat an eye. They always said, thank you so much for that note or whatever. And it was cool. Um, so I felt that my presence was valued um, by the crew and by the cast. And that was really an amazing experience. And uh, yeah, I think it was kind of validating to know that my work influenced the, the director enough to reach out to me. Yeah. You know, that was really cool experience. I, I wasn't, when I, when I heard about the movie being made, I was like, oh, what the fuck? And then I got an email saying they wanted me to audition. And I was just like, I'm going to be in this fucking movie. Absolutely. And then it got better with the consulting gig that came after. Oh, shit. Yeah. And it was really cool. And if anything, like the hardest part of, of being in that movie and, and uh, taking, taking a new job in a huge field that, uh, that has not really been welcoming to sex workers ever uh, was the hardest part was the backlash from this, the, from sex worker community. Like I got so much hate for that. And like <sighs> sex workers are always mad about something. So it's going to be me sometimes. I, uh, I saw it debut at TIFF here. Oh yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. It was incredible. There was electricity in the air. Like it was yeah. the most buzzed about moment of the festival because it was just so, well, I guess shocking that, you know, this kind of a story was being brought to the big screens and being told this yeah. way. Is there anything missing in the portrayal and the inside scoop, the insight of that industry? Was there anything that you could have used a little bit more of? Well, yeah, of course. The Hustlers is the story, a real story yes. <laughs> inspired by women. Um, I don't know personally, but I have enough mutuals to, to know that they did a pretty extraordinary crime. Mm. And most actually, every stripper I've ever met has never done that. So yeah, I think um, this was an extraordinary story and it, that's why it was in the cut in 2015, which I read. And I, when I read the story, I was like, I wish I did that. I was so yeah, right. These girls are bold. I um, a lot of women were feeling that way. Yeah, you know, like, because it's like, otherwise, you're just pawing at your tits for the entire time you're in VIP or worse or whatever. Like, they're just constantly grabbing at you, yeah. like a breastfeeder. 
And if they were just knocked out unconscious instead of doing that and I got paid, that probably would have been a really sweet deal for me. I would not really feel bad about it. Um, So yeah, there's so much missing. That's like, that's not, I don't think you can make one movie about sex work and say, this is the movie about sex work because it's such a diverse industry that's just stripping it's just new york it's an industry i'm very familiar with in a city that i've lived in for almost a decade so like it 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 killed it and all all that stuff and then telling that specific story but there's so much more like what about all the strippers who aren't thieving what about the strippers who are just working for way less money and you know deserve the respect that anybody deserves who is working because like work is work everyone works and just because you have a job doesn't mean you deserve any less respect so i'm really excited for what else is to come from the commercial success of that movie and seeing what other projects they're in hollywood's going to invest in i mean would you have a, a project that you're maybe brewing oh, i have one i have one i'm working on it covid's weird yeah, it's a great opportunity, though. It's time yeah. to sit down and have your opportunity to write shit. Yeah, I'm working on it. We'll see. Exciting. That's really, really, really exciting. Okay, um, we're seeing, obviously, I, I have to ask this one. I, you're in the States. We're mm-hmm. seeing a change in administration that is massive. How is this going to impact or change sex workers' lives and their experience? <laughs> we'll see. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. Can that be a complete answer? I really don't know. Hell yes, it can. Um, Hell yes, it can. Yeah. We're going to have to wait and see, you know? I think the COVID vaccine is going to be more telling for like, because right now it's just, I don't know. It's just trauma right now. Everybody is very, um, very out of work and unsupported by the public but like sex workers are taking care of each other we always have so i'm not um i'm not saying like everyone's like out in the cold but people kind of are out in the cold and uh i don't know what's gonna happen i really don't like politics yeah talking to me about politics and i'm gonna pass the mic it's such a relief to hear you say that because i've talked to obviously so many people that are just ready to unleash the fucking beast on that and you know what we we don't know we don't know we're gonna have to just see how this plays out we're gonna have to yeah and to be honest i don't i'm not doing sex work anymore i'm an artist now and i i try to keep abreast and i try to to um still advocate for the community when I can but it's not my life anymore so if I'm not doing the work I really can't speak to what people are experiencing right now because it's just not my life so I'd rather just someone else tell me what they're doing and give them the the platform to speak instead of me like talking hypothetically about something I retired from a year ago yeah Mm -hmm. though you did retire a year ago I want to end it on this yeah. Dream scenario time. Are you ready? So let's say the pandemic is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are taking one night back at your favorite club in New York City. Mm-hmm. And it's the place is fucking packed. We've got the richest high rollers in the world, just finger on the fucking bills, ready to go. Oof. 
You, I know, right? You can hear it. You can feel the little the wind that comes off of that fan of cash, you know? Yes. And uh, you've got one dance. You have one song. What's it going to be? Oh, my God. What is it? The one you explode to. Oh fucking probably like Guns N' Roses. Which one? <laughs> Or not even like something tacky, some eighties stripper song, like pour some sugar, some sugar on, on me. Yeah. Are you kidding? If I got to go back like out of retirement and like my hips were fine, I would just like cause that 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 song is slow, right? You don't have to move fast. Right. It's all about the hierography. Yeah. It's yeah, all yeah. about just like loving yourself, loving your body and moving your body around and rolling around on the ground. Oh my god, I just see myself like you know, when like the ground is covered in dollar bills and it kind of just mushes around and you're making a snow angel with money. I'm going to have that happen again. Oh, it's going to happen. Oh, thank you for creating that visual. Yeah, it's going to be that song for sure. Listen to that song the minute that we're done. Now, all the people who are watching and listening, they are going to want to know what's coming up for you. And of course, how to get in touch. Yeah. So what's coming up for me? So I'm a visual artist. I paint and I'm releasing a limited edition series of prints that I'm very excited about, uh, soon. So you can learn more about that on patreon.com slash Jacqueline Francis. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jack the stripper. And what else is coming up for me? Oh, so many other, I have so many dreams, so many projects I want to execute. And I'm really excited about them, but I can't talk about them yet. But uh, look, I'm being hot and ridiculous on the internet. You can come and find me and you can also come and throw money at me because you will feel better if you do. So you should probably pay me I love for that. something. Actually, before we go, look what I have right here. Hang on. You know what it is? I literally won't even take it out of plastic. <gasps> you should frame it. Okay. I'm going to. I'm going it was one of my favorite, um, favorite pieces to paint. Look at this. So photogenic and how hot. fabulous is that? Okay, you gave me an uh, ass. Thank you. You, you're so hot. This is that. Incredible. I love painting this. Is unreal. Like I said, it's one of my prized possessions. I literally keep it in a fucking sealed piece of plastic. Okay. I'm so honored to have that. Thank you. And thank you for making time for this chat today. You are a dream. So nice to be here. And hopefully I'll be back in Toronto one day and there's a vaccine and we'll go throw some money at strippers. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, I'm going to be in New York literally in a month. So okay, well, we'll, <laughs> you know, just, we're not going to throw money at strippers in a month for sure. It'll be no, cool. I'm, but I'm, I'm like a, a absolute, like diehard romantic hopeful. So I'm like, it'll happen. We'll be <laughs> something <laughs> amazing thanks so much for chatting take care of yourself darling and we will uh we'll be in touch soon all right all the best